0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Study of X, the podcast where we go through the Krakoa era of X-Men comics in uh, not quite chronological order, but close enough. Um, or release order, I guess. I don't know. Uh, is anyway, it's uh,
1: chronological in universe.
2: Roughly is it
0: is roughly? It? Uh, anyway, my name is Tim, and with me, as always, is Chris.
1: Hello, I hope you're ready to talk about space and aliens because we're gonna talk about a lot of both.
0: And also Sergio.
2: I wasn't expecting to have to talk about space and aliens on this set of issues, but I guess they kind of uh, wanted to. the writers I mean they yeah let, let's let's see what's what space has for us.
1: It, it definitely feels like Hickman wanted to pick up his earlier new mutant story and bring it into the main area.
0: Oh, yeah, this was very much him following up on that.
1: Yeah, just with a different group this time. Yeah, that, I I think that's
2: weird. This, uh, you know, kind of going over it backwards, but this very much feels like not necessarily the, the series spinning its wheels, but coming up with a new set of wheels just to spin
1: you know it's interesting you say that because having reread this and having read other hickman stuff in the past like it's fantastic forerun he does this a lot when he starts out you know he just starts spinning a bunch of plates so later on he can go back to the same plates and bring them up again and that's kind of what this feels like is he's setting something up for the future
2: we have so many plates
0: already. yeah yeah we
1: do and his favorite thing is to add more plates
0: yeah, uh, he... I was I was about to say, this really kind of feels like some classic Hickman here. Uh, he's like, let's set up some stuff and then ram it all into each other.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh,
2: you know, for better and for worse. Yeah. Yeah,
1: you know, I, on, I would
2: agree with that. On his worst days, and on my worst days, <laughs> what I keep coming back to is that Hickman's kind of like Stephen Moffat's for comics.
1: May I- <laughs> Interesting. Okay, break that down for and me a I little think, bit.
2: And I think that's and I think that's um derogatory. That's not a compliment.
1: Ooh, okay.
0: <laughs> you know.
2: You'll know who Stephen Moffat is.
0: I, I know who this is, but g- give us Let's a little say bit for of For the a, audience. Yeah.
2: Yeah, sure. So Stephen Moffat is the producer, director, showrunner for a, some BBC series, uh, most notably the Sherlock remake, and uh, the he was the third. I want to say third or second showrunner for Doctor Who for the new Doctor Who seasons, um, and you know he's got a reputation for doing things uh, again with that look very complex in terms of like the narrative structure of them, but. You know it's just very much again spinning plates having a lot of a lot of confidence in his writing that may not be entirely warranted uh, there's a lot of people that really really love the stuff uh in the earlier seasons uh for uh the stuff he did for dr who but then you know his popular his, his reputation kind of stuff stab- uh, started declining with all of the complications and new characters and new revelations and plot twists that he was adding to the overall lore of the show. Um, and that's what uh, Hickman reminds me of sometimes. I think at his best, he's really good at uh, telling a story, but at his worst, he's like so full of himself in terms of introducing new things. At least these are like new, very straightforward threats. But yeah, I, I just find them to be both you know creators that are super excited about the things they're working on and maybe do not want to stick with the simpler version of the work because they have so many ideas that they have to cram them all in and it is counterproductive to the to what they're building.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment there. Uh, although, um, yeah, the, the only Stephen Moffat thing I've seen is Sherlock and I did not like it enough uh, to check out any other stuff. In fact, I kind of hated it. <laughs> Um, I would say, I I, I could see it. It is a lot of just, like, Hickman likes to introduce stuff. Uh, I think his payoffs usually are much better than Moffat's, though.
2: I think I have yet to see one.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, this is still pretty early for a Hickman writing, so we haven't seen that much of a big payoff. We kind of did at the end of House and Powers of X, where everything comes together with that story. But even then, that was a really small time frame when Hickman works over the course of like a couple of years when it comes to comics.
2: Yeah, I just kind of hate the feeling of being on a roller coaster going up the the hill, ready for the drop, and then it's like you suddenly put me on a second roller coaster and then start going <laughs> up a second hill, and it there's no there's no drop yeah so i'm I'm climbing expecting the drop and then what i find myself in is in another booth where i have to board a second roller coaster that's also going to go up another hill and i don't i don't know if it's ever going down see
0: okay here's how i would say most hickman structures are just based on like old fantastic four and avengers runs he did It's like that, except then you get a third one going up to the top, and then you get a fourth one going up to the top, and then you get a fifth one going up to the top, and then all five of those roller coasters you somehow simultaneously get dropped on at the exact same time.
1: Yes, and then somehow there is a sixth one that you didn't know you were getting on in between numbers two and four, but you did, and that drop is the biggest.
2: Okay, we'll, we'll see how it all pans
1: out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah when, it, when it comes to the Krakoa era, it pans out in a very interesting way. Uh. But, yeah, no, we are definitely at the getting on the ride portion here. Uh. It, at least with these two comics that we're going to be talking about for X-Men number 8 and 9, I still enjoyed the ride for what it was, but it's definitely not a big standout from everything. It's just like, yeah, that was neat.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to say about this set of issues. There's one good idea in them (laughs) that I like.
1: Okay, you're going to have to tell us what that is when we get to it. I'm very curious.
2: I will, yes.
0: But let's get into it a little bit.
1: Okay. So, with X-Men number 8, titled Swarm, this is written by Jonathan Hickman and was released back in March of 2020. Uh, We're going to open up here at the Academos Habitat in the Sextant again as Mirage and Magma have a nice morning where they marvel at this space junk that we last saw back in New Mutants number 7.
0: Yeah, it's it's the egg they stole.
1: It's, you know, it's space junk. It's whatever. Who knows? Yeah. And instead, as we go to the next page, we are in a Shi'ar grave world where this is the massive edge of the Empire, where the decaying energy of a dead universe is bleeding into our own. Uh, it is also a spawning ground for creatures known as the Brood. Uh, I think the next comic does a really good job of introducing what these creatures are, so for now, all you need to know is they're big, bug-like, I think a little bit like Alien from the Alien series. That's what these things look like.
0: Uh, we don't really get to see it, but, like, it is more literal than you think. They will turn you into
2: a brood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. they're the StarCraft yeah. faction. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, the, the you know, not quite generic space alien bug creature, but pretty close. So but- By this point,
2: I had already checked if I was reading the right issue. Yeah.
1: Yes, it does kind of throw you in there all of a sudden. We kind of went into a completely different storyline here. Uh, so I've, I've also checked and made sure I was reading the right one. Uh, but again, Hickman roller coaster. We are starting our new ascent here. And all we need to know is uh, decaying space whales, space bugs, and some space junk that the new mutants brought back.
0: Yeah. And uh, they want to hunt this uh, king egg which is what it is called, apparently.
1: Yeah, so seems like bad news. Uh, But we are going onto a data page. Uh, This is a Shi'ar battle record. Uh, This is actually some of the Fallout from the War of Kings comic book event that happened back in 2009. Uh, So this was actually a long time ago in comic book, you know, standard. Uh, But all we really need to know from this is that Gladiator became... Ruler of the Shi'ar Empire, uh, Black Bolt, with the best name ever of Blackagar Boltagon, uh, was killed, and as was Vulcan, he was also killed at the end of this event.
2: Are they all mutants? Uh,
0: no. Uh, Gladiator is uh, we we've met him before. He's just kind of um, the the Superman dude that hangs out with the Shi'ar. Uh, Black Bolt is the leader of the Inhumans. Uh, Vulcan is a mutant, obviously.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah, I have to ask, Sergio, do you know anything about the Inhumans?
2: Uh, not really beyond... Were they on a Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season?
1: Yes, uh, they were.
2: Yeah,
0: they also had their own kind of? show.
1: Yeah, uh, the show was not great. Yeah, Uh Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is great, and they did show up there to really good effect.
2: It sure is. It's a great show. It is a very good show. Um... But yeah, so I don't remember much about the Inhumans.
1: Yeah, so I, mean, I think that's fair.
2: They had an island. They had some sort of temple island.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I yeah, I think you're right. They did that show. Uh, I I don't know if we need to go into the Inhumans too much. To be fair.
1: Yeah, we really don't. I was more curious what you did know about them because they did have a TV show at one point. Uh, back when, uh, I believe Fox was kind of running down on x-men movies the comics tried to do this shift to make the inhumans the new mutants and that didn't work out so they had this like brief kind of explosion of popularity but that very quickly died away and and now as you can see are not popular at all
0: yeah there there hasn't been like an inhuman comic in uh like five years at this point maybe uh but yeah um so, we, we go to Vulcan floating in space in a dream.
1: Mhm. Some very cool-looking space. Uh, and we're going to quickly find out that this is all he remembers from his time in the Fault. Uh, this is where, at the end of Black Bolt and Vulcan's fight, they detonated a bomb that ripped a hole in the universe, and Vulcan fell into it. We're going to learn a bit later that apparently he never died in there. Uh, But he does seem to have these reoccurring dreams of himself floating in it, usually after he's blackout drunk drinking with a couple other mutants on Krakoa, or in this case, the moon.
0: Yeah, uh, well, and Petra and Sway here. Um, But yeah, uh, I'm kind of glad they didn't drag out this Vulcan twist too much. It is uh, very obvious what is happening at this point.
1: Uh, so, Cyclops and Havoc, you know, check in on their brother Vulcan, and he is he's having the same horrible dream over and over again. But before he's able to say much else about it, they're interrupted by the giant space whale carcasses controlled by the brood, making straight for Earth.
0: Yeah. Seems bad.
1: Yeah, generally seems not a good time if the giant whale carcasses are heading towards your home planet. Uh, but we're going to find out why pretty soon, uh, as we are back on Krokoa and we get to meet one of my favorite little guys, uh, and this is Brew, it's Brood without the D. Uh, he is a mutant brood, uh, who instead of being a mindless drone, is his own individual, and likes to wear a nice suit and tie. Yeah. Brew's
2: great. Is there a relation between, wait, is there a relation between him and these other broods, or is he? does he come from another, like... Uh, Overmind
1: No he is He is related to these brood I think all brood are related to each other It's just when he Was born he was born As a mutant
2: Huh yeah okay I made his way To earth
1: yes
0: Yeah I, I don't know much Backstory about the brood. Brew, brew So I will take your word on this But yeah he's he was In a couple of X-Men runs
1: yeah, I don't know much outside of that, uh, like how specifically he came to Earth, uh, but all I know is, you know, he was a brood, but he's a mutant brood. Uh, so, you know, the X-Men kind of open their doors more, so you don't have to be a human and a mutant. As long as you are a mutant of some kind of species, you are included in them.
0: Yeah. Uh, which kind of makes sense. That's basically, like, what Warlock is.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, but, yeah, they're... Yeah,
2: okay. I I totally got the impression that this brood was, like, newly introduced to this issue, but I guess they've been there a while. Oh, yeah, yeah, brood's been around for a bit.
1: Yeah, and the brood in general have also been around for a bit. Uh, If you ever need, like, a giant space enemy for people to fight or waves of enemies for people to fight, they're generally the go-to.
0: Yeah.
2: It's such a generic term.
0: It it really is. They are very much like. Uh, let's do some creepy alien stuff here. Here we'll just use the brood. Yeah, but that's, I, that's they
2: cannot be the only like bug like, uh, mass infestation creatures in the universe. There has to be more.
0: Yeah, there's a uh, the annihilation swarm as well. But uh, mm. that's I I got two. I I don't know anymore. See, they
2: got they got vet- they got a better name.
0: Yeah. They you did. add an inhalation
2: on there and you know that's just good marketing. That's yeah. like the brood. The brood. This is why this is why like stuff like Kleenex gets turned into a household name instead of like a brand name, and then it gets like used by everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. happens if you don't have good marketing. You lose the you lose the rights to your term.
1: Yeah. So you know, when the brood do attack us, we can tell them, well, you should have done a better job at marketing.
0: Like the Xenomorphs.
1: Yeah, see, that's a yeah. good name.
0: No, but that's not their name, I don't think.
1: I know that's not their name, but that's <laughs> like, a good name.
0: It's bad marketing.
1: So, okay. Marketing aside, uh, Brew comes over to see some of the new mutants as they're having breakfast. And he immediately spots the king egg and gets upset, rightfully so. Because he is going to explain to them that this king egg makes all the queens of the brood go to war. And that they can also smell a king egg from a galaxy away. So it is very likely that they are on their way. Which we very quickly find out. They're not coming, they are here.
0: Yeah, I uh I really like Wolfsbane's uh Wolf's response to this. It's uh it's very funny. That's me space booty.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but... she did, she won it in combat, rightfully, it is hers. Yeah. Uh unfortunately it is a big uh light for bugs.
0: Yeah, uh, so, yep, here they are, just crashing down.
1: Yeah, we get this whale carcass disgusting thing crashing down and a whole bunch of brood pouring out of its mouth, its eyes, everywhere it can. And this begins a really nice multi-page fight going on with a good chunk of the New Mutants and Cyclops and Jean making their way here, trying to hold off the swarm.
2: I do have to say, it's a very good, like, Quick, efficient setup. Uh there's a lot of coincidence going on given that Brew arrived just at the right time to see this happen and to alert everyone at the nature of the egg. Um but you know, it gets us in the action quick.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like we, I'm, I'm, we I'm are definitely willing to be like, ah, this is fine, you know.
0: Yeah. And we get some it it's some cool looking action too. Like I, I like this whole thing with Cyclops using his uh lasers through magic's portals. Get more of that uh, mutant power synergy going on.
2: Yeah. That's a cool move. Uh
0: there is a very fun gag where uh, Brew tries to uh exposit to Gene. Uh and she kind of blows him off before like Brew explains what's going on, and then Gene tries to tell Cyclops and he meets her with the exact same line.
1: Yeah, unfortunately everybody's very busy at the moment, but Bru yeah. is correct. He knows exactly what's going on, and is pretty much the only person here who actually knows. So, Jean is finally able to contact Scott, and she, Brew, and Scott head back through the Krokoan Gate, back onto the moon, uh, where Havoc and Vulcan have prepared a ship so they can take the King Egg away from Krokoa and away from all of the innocent mutants that are probably going to be turned into space bugs if they don't hurry.
2: I like how when the story needs uh, a portal to be placed such that it connects to a convenient location, it is just there. I think that's a very good, uh, you know, just storytelling device here.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's just a
2: a really good resource they do not hesitate to use.
1: Yes, and it's set up in-universe to where it would make sense to have a portal in this random place.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I don't know why the sextant would have a portal to the Summer's house, uh, but sure.
1: hmm There was a very early issue, I can't remember if it was an X-Men or a House of X, where they take people through a tour and the gates kind of cr- connect to this massive complex that have gates to other locations. We haven't seen that again, so it's not quite clear if that's still in play. But I like to believe that when you go to a gate, and if you go through it, if you think of where you want to go, it'll take you there.
0: I feel like the portals were designed just so it was very easy to get uh, people from point A to point B faster, which it is.
1: Yes. Yes. It's much nicer than having to, you know, fight your way through the island to get to the jet, fight your way into space and go. You get to cut all of that out, and it's, no, we're going to go to space, all right, now we're leaving.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh,
1: So, and uh, one other thing that Vulcan does throughout this entire thing is he likes to make fire jokes and fire puns. Uh, And in order to take off in this jet here, Cyclops does have to play along and finally does, which Vulcan loves immensely.
0: Yeah, their brother's a freak. Uh, (laughs) And uh, then we... We get a data page here with just some updates. Uh, again, I I feel like a lot of that stuff was pretty obvious. Uh, two of these were known. Um, again, we saw Gladiator give back control in the New Mutants to uh, Leandra. Uh, Black Bolt we have known is alive for years, uh, and but the the Vulcan ones kind of the thing that everybody was guessing at this point, where apparently Vulcan is just alive. So mm-hmm. there is two Vulcans.
1: Yes, because don't we see them resurrecting him at some point, or am I incorrect?
0: Yeah, he was... I I don't think we see him resurrected, but, like, I think they just straight up say, like, he was resurrected.
1: Okay. Yeah, because that that is a problem. (laughs) Especially when it comes to Vulcan. Uh, He's not really shown off a lot here in these two issues, uh, but he is, you know, one of the Summers brothers, and because of that, is incredibly strong. Uh, his power is obviously fire-based, uh, but he is a threat for a reason.
0: Yep. Meanwhile, um, on a random space station in Shi'ar space, we have an accuser who is trying to get a uh, the king egg.
1: Yes, and we finally see the Starjammers again. Uh, last we saw them, they were leaving the New Mutants behind because they were very upset with them. Uh, and they did get captured by this accuser, uh, who's not happy that they lost the king egg. Thankfully, he is negotiating with one of the best negotiators in space, Sunspot.
0: Yeah. Um, Sergio, did you ever see Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one? I'm assuming yes. Yes. Y- yeah, yeah, I did. You know the villain from that? Yes. Yeah, that, that's just, uh, that, that's who Ronan this...
2: the accuser, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Th- This this is just one of those
2: guys.
1: Yeah, it is not yeah, Ronin, I, but...
2: I caught that. Yeah.
1: Same deal. They kind of have a very uniform look to them, and it all helps that they all almost... I think all of them use a hammer.
2: Yeah, I... will give you, I did not remember there were multiples. I thought it was the same character for a second, and then I realized, oh, there's, like, this whole band of of people.
0: Yeah, yeah, just all of the Kree. Uh, I don't know if this guy has a name, but... Whatever. Um... Yeah, so he is uh, talking to Sunspot, who seems bored.
1: Mm-hmm. And Sunspot is also babysitting, uh, you know, Cannonball's kid. So this is not a very high-stakes situation for him.
0: Yeah. Uh, but he says, "Hey, I'll uh, I'll get I'll get this going for you. Just just free these guys. It'll it'll be good to go. Uh, you you gonna take that deal? That's that's the best you're getting." And the accuser just says, "Yes."
1: So, and we're going to see this play out pretty soon, but Smasher overhears the entire conversation and tracks where this accuser is. And they're in Shi'ar space, which the Kree and the Shi'ar typically don't get along. So she is going to very quickly tell her superior that, uh, hey, something's wrong. So, uh, but before we get to that, we do see our boy Gladiator uh, with his son, Kubark out here just destroying massive genocidal bugs in space as one does with their father-son bonding activities
0: kid gladiator is apparently his name i am not familiar with this character
1: uh who gladiator or q bark
0: uh kid kid gladiator here
1: uh yes he's new to me as well i i have no idea where he comes from and he kind of just goes away after this yeah so, but he is very quickly informed that there is an accuser not too far from where he is, and he immediately tells his son that they have now found better game to hunt, because hunting actual sentient beings is a much better bonding experience.
0: Has he, uh, I wonder, I wonder how he would feel about Craven.
1: Ooh, they would probably get along pretty well, both of them having fun hunting things. Especially, you know, the most dangerous game, which in this case is an accuser.
0: I, I don't know if Craven could take the accuser.
1: You know, I wouldn't put it past Craven, because if he can take down Spider-Man, I feel like he could take down an accuser.
0: Mm I don't know. I, I, I'm gonna say these are probably different magnitudes here.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe.
0: Yeah, but, uh, uh, but yeah, that. Yeah, that's the end of that issue, and now we have a bunch of uh, moving plates.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, we have space bugs, a king egg, this accuser in space, and now some more information on Vulcan, Black bolts, and a bit more on the Shi'ar Empire.
0: Yeah, we also got Gladiator coming toward him, so yeah, there's a lot going on. Sunspot's now doing some stuff.
1: Yeah, I, as an issue by itself, it's okay. Uh, I do appreciate that this official reading order that we're going off of places these two issues next to each other, uh, because X Men number nine is going to finish not a decent chunk of these spinning plates, but it is going to finish at least one of them.
2: Yeah, they're they're very much you know connected. This one's picks up straight off where the other one ended, uh, and it does close a lot of the things that were introduced. So, yeah, makes sense for those to be, like, together.
1: Mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. uh, I will say I am a bit disappointed that we jumped back off into space again for the mainline X-Men stuff. In New Mutants, it was a lot of fun because we have all of the personalities there. Here, you know, we've talked about it, it's a lot of setup and that's what it is. But I would have preferred something a bit closer to home and maybe on Krakoa itself.
2: Yeah, I, I like the other roller coaster I was on.
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: It's, it's
0: okay. We'll probably go back there.
1: Yeah, we are probably sure going to go will. back there. It's just you know these were two issues that could have been on the same roller coaster but ended up not.
0: Yeah. I uh, so. mean, so, well, yeah. Well, want to want to get straight into issue nine?
1: Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Uh, So this is going to be X-Men number nine, uh, titled The King Egg. Uh, This is still written by Jonathan Hickman and was released towards the end of March in 2020. Uh, We are actually opening up back in the past, uh, 8,000 years in the past, in the Kree Empire. We have a bunch of Kree scientists here who are explaining to an accuser of this new species that they found that they have titled The Brood. And this is where we get our explanation on how these aliens work in a pretty brutal fashion. Uh, Essentially, they are a matriarchal society of hive mind that when they attack their victims, they consume their past and memories and then turn them also into another member of the brood.
0: Yeah. Uh, This exposition is given while um, the brood devours someone and then the accuser gets in and kills them all with a hammer.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I do appreciate that all of this is going on, and the accuser doesn't say much, but just kind of walks into this secured area and then just smashes them. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, but with this later half, now that the brood are dead, uh, the scientists propose that they have a control mechanism put in place so they can eventually control this very violent and aggressive species against their enemies. The Accuser quite likes the idea, but they have to run it by the Supremer, uh, which is the ruler of the Kree Empire.
0: It's a a weird hive mind thing.
1: Yeah, a lot lot of hive mind stuff in space. Uh, From what I remember of the Supremer, uh, from reading War of Kings and other old Marvel space events, uh, is it is the collective consciousness and knowledge of all past... Cree leaders, or leadership. And it's all just kind of gathered into one. So it's like a supercomputer and a ruling body at the same time. Uh, so it's able to make decisions and calculate what the best path is by referencing all of their past.
0: Yeah. So th- this big old head in a jar uh, concludes that the Shi'ar are a good target for this stuff and uh, approves the weapon.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the weapon is going to take some time to come into effect. In fact, no less than eight millennia for the Hive Society to possess a sufficient volume to attack the Shi'ar. So, even though these scientists will long be dead, they're very happy that their work should live on past them.
0: Yeah, and then we go back to the present, where we are uh, rushing across space with a bunch of dead space whales chasing
1: hmm Uh, chasing the ship, and they're gaining pretty quickly. Unfortunately, uh, the direction that they're heading also has dead space whales. So no matter which way they go, they're kind of in a bad spot. Yep. So, but don't worry about that for now, because we are going to go check in on our friend the accuser, uh, who really wants to know where his egg is. Unfortunately, Sunspot said he got distracted watching Space Jeopardy and didn't know the answers, so got really engrossed in it and forgot to look into the whole thing.
0: Yeah, uh, Corsair is not pleased at this, uh, but Sunspot's just joking. Uh, In in fact, they actually just called the whole GR. So, uh, Gladiator's here.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, instead of helping them, they called the cops. Uh, And in this case, it is one cop who is very, very strong and just wants to murder this man.
0: Yeah. uh, The accuser kind of goes on about how he will be judged as well. Uh, Kid Gladiator says, my dad can beat you up. And uh, Gladiator shoves him into a space whale.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It's a really fun uh, series of pages because, yeah, you have the scene of the Accuser and Gladiator going up against each other, and then the next page is the Accuser being, I assume, punched out of the spaceship into space, where he is hit by the Summer's jets and then eaten by a space whale.
2: I do appreciate appreciate this series of panels. That's just a whole page with no dialogue of the Accuser just flying through space and eventually making its way into the whale's mouth. yeah. Only for the first panel on the next page to have the chomp yes, uh, you know, SFX on it.
1: Yeah, it's a really good chomp. It's big, it's bold, and also eight part of the summer's ship.
2: Yeah, it, it was a
0: very large chomp.
2: It is a very new mutancy uh, kind of joke uh, mm-hmm. to, to grab a plot uh, kind of development and then ...inform the audience that it doesn't matter at all, and it can be resolved in, like, a page and a half.
0: Yeah, it's like, this This guy didn't even have a name.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh-huh.
1: hmm it, it was just to get two separate groups together for the story, and it worked. Yeah. So, havoc is letting this star station know that, hey, there's Brood on the way, and things are gonna get bad really fast. But he immediately recognizes his dad's on board, and they all realize, oh... All of the summers are together. Uh, By the way, the brood is coming, so maybe you should follow us down to the planet.
0: Yeah, uh, they might have done that by exploding?
1: Yeah, not at the best way, but again, another great page of no dialogue of the space whale just running into the station and blowing it up, before everything crashes down on this barren planet.
2: Everyone's fine, though. Yeah. Except for the accuser, of course.
1: Yeah, no, I'm assuming he's very much not okay. No. So, but everybody is going to start making it underground in these ruins to get away from the impending swarm. Uh, This is going to last a good couple of pages. uh, In fact, I believe till the end of this uh, comic. Uh, But over all of it, we have an explanation from Jean as to why she can't really get through the hive mind of the brood. And she explains that... Imagine if your entire life you were the top alpha predator and you always had drones of millions and millions of other predators that would fight and die for you, and you had all of this power. Now imagine something came out of nowhere to threaten and not only take that power, but to turn you into a drone as well. And that is the threat that this king egg proposes. So what would these queens do in this situation they would do everything in their power to destroy the egg before it is used. And we see this as the brood run over everything in this endless swarm. We have Cyclops, Havoc, Gladiator, everybody's doing all that they can, and it is not working. They are beginning to lose.
0: Until. Until.
1: Until at the dramatic conclusion of this entire fight, the brood suddenly stop. And nobody quite realizes why, until everyone looks over and Brew has eaten the egg, thus becoming the first king of the brood and controlling all untold millions and millions of them.
0: Yeah, we get our our last page here is like Brew standing on like, like a podium, just mm-hmm. surrounded by the X-Men with all these like brood around him.
2: Yeah, good for him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, good for him. He got hungry. He wanted a little snack, you know, maybe before he died. And it ended up working out really well. Uh, because now there is a mutant that, theoretically, I would believe he lives on Krakoa, uh, that now controls 10,000 worlds, 6 trillion drones, and 1,000 queens.
0: Yeah, that's that's, that's a lot. Um, we get a data page here from, it looks like, the, from the perspective of the Supremer. Uh, just Mm -hmm. kind of, uh, talking about the brood and how you best want to deploy this when the empress is dead, uh, because all the queens are gonna just go nuts over this thing. Uh, sorry, go on.
1: I was just gonna say, yeah, it's a lot of, you know, techno babble uh, about why they pick the brood over some of these other seed species. You know, they mentioned the phalanx and a couple others that are apparently extinct, uh, but the brood will seem to be the best just because of their violent structure and how they always fight each other. Uh, and then we do get a little bit at the end that says, yes, for the king egg to work, you have to eat the inside of it. And once you do so, it will be active for at least five to ten standard Cree cycles. Uh, I don't know how that relates to Earth cycles, but I would assume five to ten years.
2: Yeah, I assume that it's longer than that would be my bet.
1: It also yeah, could definitely be, a long time. Yeah, but yeah, definitely long enough that if you wanted to destroy the Shi'ar Empire, you could do that. I don't think Brew is going to do that.
2: Uh, also, looking at the seed species list, uh, name originality, definitely not part of the criteria to select the best one.
0: No, no, it was not, because there are some good ones in here.
2: Except for Scatter. Yeah, I'm not not scatter, a fan of Scatter. Scatter somehow worse than yeah blood.
1: Yeah, scatter's not great. I'm still a big fan of the phalanx, but I blame powers of X for that one. Hmm.
2: But
0: uh, yeah, on this uh last page about the king egg here, we also get a little note at the end of a uh, production of a rival king egg can disrupt the host's control of the hive, so that might be bad.
2: I'm sure it won't come up. I'm sure uh, it won't either.
1: Yeah, I'm sure this will be fine. You know, new plates that have started, we're already putting the plate down. It'll be okay.
0: And yeah, that is the end of our little X-Men arc.
1: Yeah, yeah. very
2: neat set of two issues.
1: Mhm. Yeah, definitely feels like, you know, the the space side story. Uh, I think it's fine, you know, when you put them together and you don't separate them by mass amounts of time. I think they work well as a duo. The Brood what? are fine, you know, they're an alien stand-in. I think they're fun. Um, And, and sorry to cut you off there, Tim, what were you gonna say?
0: Oh, I was I was gonna ask Sergio what was the one thing that you liked from the the spinning plates.
2: Oh, it's not in this this set of issues. I like the thing for from the other one. Oh, from, for X Force. Uh, X Force, yeah.
0: Okay.
1: Oh no.
2: This is you know this is fine. I enjoyed this set of issues, uh, but they you know, are not breaking any new ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, very neatly put a bow on most things other than the things that obviously were introduced and are probably going to be used at some point. Um, but yeah, uh, it they feel very much like a new mutants arc rather than an X-Men one. Yeah. But that's fine.
0: That, that's a good way to put it. It's a, it's a fun little story.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I, it's serviceable. It is. It's serviceable. I wouldn't,
2: I wouldn't use it to introduce anyone to, to the X-Men as an exemplar of, what it is capable of in terms of storytelling, but it is fine. Yeah. I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree to that. Definitely not an introduction section. Uh, I do kind of like how Hickman took the story he started in New Mutants and then brought it here and ran with it with a different group, because I don't think the New Mutants group would have been able to handle this kind of story. It made more sense that it was this group of characters that did it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I believe the Summers are a lot more competent than uh, the New Mutants, even though uh, some of them seem like they got the good head on their shoulder.
2: I feel like they would have been able to handle it, but it would have taken more than two issues.
0: Yeah, I I could see that they they would have critically messed something up on the way as well.
2: Uh huh.
1: I feel like more people would have died.
0: Yeah, probably.
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe still solved in the end, but uh, at what cost?
0: Anyway, do we want to go on to X-Force?
1: Yes. Uh, Before that, uh, just so we know, uh, the next time we get back to this mainline X-Men, we're actually going to be jumping into the Empire tie-over. That is where X-Men number 10 is going to be. Not for a while for us with our reading order, since we have a bunch more stories we have to read until then. So we are going to say goodbye to X-Men for now.
0: Goodbye, X-Men. We'll miss you for a little bit.
1: See you, Space Cowboy.
2: It's almost as if I had already said goodbye.
1: Mm. <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, so X Force, uh, our cover here is uh, everybody's in their uh, ripped jungle gear.
1: Mm-hmm. That doesn't uh-huh. really happen in you know the actual comic outside of Kid Omega slightly. Yeah, but that tends to be the nature of comic book covers, so not entirely surprising.
2: Yeah, Domino looking like one of those Japanese RPGs where you get your clothes turned off as you take damage
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah and and she's got a snake around her leg which is not safe at all it, it's, it's okay it's she's not, it's not good time
2: she's good luck
1: that's true maybe this is the one non-poisonous snake in this jungle
2: it will sit it's a healing snake actually it, yeah Ooh, it's
1: okay it's I, a- I like that turn of fortune
0: no, no 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 okay, I, I get what's happening. You see, uh this, this green snake climbing up her leg is going to fight the uh the larger snake coming down from um above her.
1: Oh and, uh, wow, it's
2: actually They're gonna cancel each other out. Yeah,
0: that's that's how snakes work.
1: Ah, okay. I didn't know that's how snakes work. That's good to know. Uh definitely tell everybody you can about that, just in case you're bit by a snake.
0: Yeah. That Jaguar, like, gonna eat that lizard.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. All right, so let's get into it. uh,
1: (laughs) Comic cover marveling aside, uh, with X-Force number nine, The Moral Jungle, uh, this is written by Benjamin Percy and was released in March of 2020, Uh, we're going to open up with probably one of my favorite openings uh, in a while, and it is Logan Dakin, I always pronounce his name incorrectly, uh, and Gabby playing Spin the Bottle where the loser has to kill themselves because all of these people are derived from Wolverine in some manner.
0: Yeah, so not really kill yourself, just stick blades in your brain and then heal.
1: Mm-hmm. And it is very fun. <laughs> they have a pretty good crowd going. Uh, Dakin, of course, loses and has to, you know, blade himself right in the head where he falls over bloody. Gene. Uh, Jean- isn't as thrilled about this and asks Logan, you know, maybe hey, you could do something better. But Logan is like, well, no, see, family bonding. We're having a great time together. Look at this.
0: Yeah, I I believe this is our first time meeting uh Daken and Gabby so far.
1: I wanna say you are correct. Dakin might have been in the background somewhere, uh, but I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've seen Gabby here on Krakoa.
0: Yeah. Um what do you know about Dakin? Cause my, my background knowledge of Dakin is like non-existent.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you asked because mine is also non-existent. Uh, I'm pretty sure he is Wolverine's son and not a clone. Maybe. I just know Dakin did not like Wolverine for a very long time and the two would try and kill each other for a while, but that's pretty standard for Wolverines.
0: Uh, yeah. Dakin was a villain for a long while. I do know that. Um, he he pretended to be Wolverine in the Dark Avengers. I I guess I do know a little bit about and just not very much. Um, he's also um a disaster by this.
1: Yes, and a wonderful one as well that we are going to meet later in a different comic that will start. Uh, where he's really endearing with that whole cast. I I love X Factor itself. Uh, yeah. but for now he's just here. You know playing deadly spin the bottle
0: also in addition to uh wolverine powers he has um pheromone powers
1: i was hoping you weren't gonna bring that up i hate pheromone powers they're so weird
0: they are weird but
1: it's a thing who's the spider woman that has it is that silk
0: no, that's that's just uh that's just Spider-Woman. That's just Jess.
1: That's just that's just Jess. Okay. Yeah, yeah no. I I hate it when it comes up whenever it comes up in comic books cuz it is so awkward.
0: Yeah. Uh Gabby is a a clone of a clone. Uh she is a clone Oops. of Lara who is a clone of Wolverine.
1: Yes. Don't think about it too much. Um but uh Sergio, I do have to ask. Did you ever see the Movie Logan, I think that's what it, they called it.
2: I have not. No, I've never watched that one. I know it's one of the, or at least for a while, people liked it. Had a good reputation.
1: Yeah, no, it. I think it's held up. Uh, it. Okay. It does fall into kind of what The Last of Us does, which is you know young wolf and cub kind of a thing. Uh, but the girl oh. there, X twenty three, that's Laura. Uh, so you have this female clone of Wolverine, and Gabby is the clone of Laura.
0: Yeah, we've met Laura, right. Yeah, because X-23 was in Fallen Angels, and also yes. the Children of the Vault stuff.
2: <sighs> yeah, I, I do remember X-23. Yeah. I
1: do try to forget some of what you said, but you are correct that we did see her at uh, Children of the Vault.
2: Yeah. And you know, clones can have clones. Yeah, clones mm-hmm. can There's have no clones. There's no ruling against it.
1: No, oh, and in this case uh Gabby is wonderful. Uh we're not going to see her a whole lot this early on. She does come in in later stories. Uh but she's very much a disaster gremlin and is just all all around lovable and funny.
2: Yeah.
0: So, well She does
2: seem to exude gremlin vibes. Yeah.
1: Oh,
0: yes. So, uh yeah, our our party is uh getting pretty chaotic. Uh, Jean seems to be doubting her just being an X-Force in general and just doesn't seem to be having a great time. And then we get a neat little overview of the Green Lagoon. I really like this picture spread.
1: Yeah, it's a really, really pretty two-page spread. Uh, This is also technically the first introduction of the Green Lagoon. Uh, Those of us here on the podcast, we've already seen it in Wolverine number three. Uh, but release order-wise, this was the first time it ever showed up.
0: It's a cool introduction here. I, I, I like this quite a bit. It it almost feels like a try-to-name-every-mutant contest.
2: Mm-hmm. There is there is something I'm missing in this page. And what's that? Which is a list of things to look for. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 style, yeah. It, it, it does... feels like I was half expecting to turn the page and find a... One of those like info pages with a list of things to like uh, try to go find back and look for yeah. this.
0: Yeah. Circle them with a crown.
1: Oh yeah. No, and, yeah. and I went over this page to be like, okay, is there anything hidden I can find? Uh you know, there's a chair underneath where the Wolverines are currently playing Spin the Bottle and it has some Krokoan on it. It just says make more mutants. That's what it says, but I translated it anyway. Uh, there Um,
0: is, uh, Nightcrawler, uh, just teleporting up to the ceiling.
1: Yeah, stealing booze.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: You have Dazzler in the back. Uh, you I see Christian Frost back there. Sebastian Shaw is puking into the river, which, good, terrible person.
0: Yeah, I feel bad for people hanging out in the river, though.
1: I do, too. That's, that's awful.
0: Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a cool-looking spread here, um, Would you drink at this bar?
1: Absolutely. I would be afraid of bar fights breaking out and the other kind of chaos that would go on. uh, But it does look like a cool place to go to. Yeah. So, and I can't quite remember which interview it was that Benjamin Percy did. uh, But he talked about the Green Lagoon. uh, And he said at one point he was talking with the artist for the book. And they both came to the realization that there was no general watering hole or meeting place for people to just kind of hang out on Krakoa. So that's why they came up with this location and went all out with it. They're like, hey, you know, here's this new place. It's fun. It's not something you've seen before. And they just kind of went for it. And I'm really glad they did.
0: Uh, I beg to differ. Fallen Angels had that bonfire. Oh,
1: that right. The never-ending party <laughs> yeah. bonfire.
2: Yeah. <laughs> And as far as I'm concerned, that's still going. Yeah. To
1: yeah. this day. A- until I see the fire pit a bunch of ashes, it is still mm. going.
0: Well, Dazzler's here yes. now, so do you think it's, like, a lot of smaller of a party?
1: Mm. But it's, like,
0: still get some, like, dedicated mutants that go to it?
1: Yes, because they would have been, like, this was the first party, so we're going to keep this one going. It-
2: it's like another club opening.
1: Yeah. And then there's going to be some club rivalry.
2: Yeah. I do like the Apocalypse Tiki uh, cups. Yeah, yeah. Yes.
1: Yes, I do too. They're really fun. I also like Apocalypse just sitting here at a table, just, you know, overshadowing everybody because he's got this tiny little glass in his hand.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's just very mm-hmm. large looming. Uh. Anyway, we get something that I think is a little bit interesting on our next page. It's uh, Domino talking to Sage and Domino is uh chipper.
1: Yeah, smiling, even. She's in a wonderful mood. Uh, And to remind people, the last time we saw Domino, she was dying in the arms of Colossus.
0: Yeah, saying, uh, don't let me forget anything. Uh, We learn uh, very quickly that she forgot everything.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And she's very happy about it, because as she says, it was probably her wish to do so. Yeah. She, She doesn't remember what she said, but hey, you know, Colossus wouldn't lie, right?
2: Yeah. And this is my favorite thing about these three issues.
1: Yeah, that's
0: this domino stuff.
2: Yes.
1: Okay.
2: I, I think it's very interesting to play with the idea that maybe someone went against her wishes and she has no way to know. Yeah. And she prefers to think she changed mind at the very last second than to confront the idea that she may not have as much power as she thinks she does in Resurrection and by proxy every other mutant. I think that's genius.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: Yep.
0: Uh,
1: I don't know about you, but I also love how this question is going to come up again, people asking Domino how she's doing, but it's never the focus. You know, this issue's about something else. It's just this undercurrent of, well, we know what her wish was, but it didn't happen, and nobody's totally pushing into why.
0: Yeah, like, we have people that are like, hey, that's a little weird, right, but Domino just straight up doesn't want to talk about it, mm-hmm. so you don't really... They don't really have an avenue to explore it, and you're, you're kind of left with... We, we got a lot of questions here on, like, who might have done this, because the, the list is decently long. Like, was this a Beast call?
1: Yeah. Was did, this a Colossus call?
0: Yeah, did, did Colossus lie because he was just trying to get her to forget? Or, like, was this an Xavier thing? Just trying to keep X-Force, like, mm-hmm. sp- moral up? Or But, yeah, like, we... we just don't know that's that's an unanswered question right now
2: yeah which is fantastic because at least for me you see consistently all of the kind of harm that x-force is willing to do in order to protect mutants but this is like straight up harming one of their own Mm -hmm. uh in a in a very fundamental way Mm -hmm. uh that is like fundamental to who they are to like their emotional and like brain makeup yeah uh, and them willing to because this is i i feel like this is very obviously a call that was not dominos yeah. so yeah having having that taken away from her but because of what i can only assume for now are like state interests is just really really compelling yeah. i really like it
1: yeah no i i would agree with that i i also like how you know this is something that the reader is aware of, and not something that the characters in universe are completely aware of. It's not something that I see often in media like this, and it's played out very well.
0: Yeah.
2: And this is why Mystique is fighting for our prayers.
1: Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wherever
2: she is.
0: She'll be back, probably. Um,
1: still asking for her wife, but I believe in her.
0: Uh, Black Tom is having a bad time, uh, just really wants a break from the island, accidentally runs into Gorgeous Do- George, who is, uh, one of Sinister's old henchmen, and a bar fight breaks out.
1: I'm glad you knew the name of that mutant he runs into, because I didn't know his name, I just wrote him down as a mutant.
0: Oh, uh, they, they, uh, he's on the list of mutants, like, two pages ago.
1: Oh. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's how far back my, uh, my memory goes. So... Oh, yeah, there he is. All yeah. Right, but yeah, he he um doesn't go very far because Sage just kicks him in the face, and then the Wolverines join in, and a bar fight starts.
0: Yeah. Uh, but before Wolverine can jump in, Beast says, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna need you over here."
1: Yeah, unfortunately, duty calls, and he must go do something else. Yeah. Uh, but before that, uh, we do get a data page, another piece of Beast's logbook of Terra Verde. Uh, We get a bit of a rehash that, you know, the country was there to make telefloronics a thing, and they were really banking on it until Krakoa came about and essentially tore down their entire aspirations because Krakoa beat them to it.
0: They were were trying to be Wakanda. I wish it would have worked out for them.
1: I, too, wish it would have worked out for them, because instead, uh, as the country starts to fall apart... Uh, A lot of these scientists who had given their life to the study and development of telefloronics called themselves Muerte Verde, or the Green Death, as they decided to become plant people, including the President's son, which we should remember from a couple issues ago, where he attacked these people. Right. And now we get a bit of an update where it seems like several months have passed, uh... Time flows a bit weird in comics. It's a bit difficult to tell how much time has passed between events. Uh, but it has been a couple months since X-Force staged a stealth assault on Terra Verde. And now, recently, the entire country has gone dark. Nothing is coming out of it. No news. No signals. Nothing. And Beast is starting to get really worried about that.
0: Yeah, he, he couldn't couldn't have possibly had anything to do with it, though.
1: I mean, Beast, have you seen him? He's big and blue and fluffy. He's like the cookie monster.
0: Yeah. Uh. So, yeah. Uh. Kid Omega, Wolverine, and Domino are off to go see what's going on in Terra Verde.
1: Yep. And we get another instance here of Wolverine asking Domino how she's doing, because he even notices that she's doing really good, which, while not a bad thing... Means something has changed, and she pretty much fires back that she does not want to be like Logan and be sad and grumpy all the time.
0: Yeah, do you really want to? Do you really want me to be like you? Is uh, that's a mean line.
1: That is a really mean (laughs) line. It's a very true line because that's that's very true to Wolverine. Yeah, Wolverine
0: doesn't even sweat it, but like I'm like, wow, yeah.
1: That's either something you say to the person you hate the most or the person you're really good friends with.
0: Yeah. Uh Uh-huh.
1: So, but as Kid Omega heads through the gate, uh, he breaks his nose because the gate is a solid wall and they are not able to go through it.
0: He had it coming.
1: He did have He he did. Uh, But Kid Omega is not going to take that lying down and instead creates a psychic machine gun and blows apart this wall on the other side of the gate. Uh, which is made of dead army men and plants. Uh, It it kind of looks like you stepped into the world of The Last of Us. Uh, There's a lot of floral growth everywhere, a lot of fungus and flowers growing out of people's mouths and stomachs. Not great. Really hate it. (laughs) It it sets a very good creepy and spooky vibe.
2: It is kind of like chaotic evil Krakowa. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, And we were talking about it earlier, how the gates make it very convenient, you know, to get people from one place to the other, and you can kind of put a gate anywhere. Uh, This is the one instance where I think putting a gate in the president's palace was really weird, especially considering it looks to be in the middle of a hallway. It serves its purpose. It it just seems like a very strange place to put a Krakowin gate.
0: Oh, this one I think is pretty fine, actually. Uh, like it—it it makes sense, Beast being like, "Hey, yeah, we're gonna put a gate directly in your he- home."
1: I mean, I, I guess you know if if he really did strong arm him like that.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, he he, he kind of did.
1: He he did, but I feel like I don't know. Part of me thinks they would have put it somewhere else, but uh, I don't know.
2: Yeah, kind of a diplomatic faux pas, in yeah. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah this isn't something that terra verde could have come to the like un with or something yeah like hey I look they put yeah about like hey, arming that they're doing he
0: he put a he put a gate directly in our like White House basically
1: yeah yeah. yeah yeah that that's kind of what I'm getting at is it's very weird
0: but yeah uh Beast back at the point.
1: Yeah, Beast is now the guy in the chair for this one. It is not Sage, and as we've mentioned, Jean is not with the group. So it's just going to be these four. Uh, As they go through the mansion here, they end up finding the president, and he is now a floral chandelier, which, again, disgusting. Uh, But he's very dead, as is everybody else, it seems, as they don't find another living soul in the building.
0: Yeah, um, I I feel like it is... uh... The, the characters kind of point this out too, but the fact that they are not looping in Jean Grey and Sage into this is uh, a very big red flag.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Logan is going to call that out very specifically by the end here. Uh, But one thing that Kid Omega does notice is that the cellular patterns on these plants bear resemblance to Mayan glyphs. And he recommends that Beast look into Terra Verdean mythology.
0: Yeah, and they're going to a temple in a very like a like a one-page little art panel here. Uh, it does kind of look like chaotic evil Krakoa, especially with the the vines just kind of consuming this like villa.
1: Yeah, a lot of a lot of dark shadowy colors as opposed to Krakoa's more vibrant greens. Uh, so yeah, definitely trying to evoke that. Hey, this is like what we have, but bad. Uh, and to kind of reinforce that again, or maybe to beat you over the head with it, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, we get another data page. It is another part of Beast's logbook, and it is more of the history of Terra Verde and their worship of botanicals and how that has evolved throughout time.
0: Yeah, I I don't think this is the part that's explicitly evil, Um this this kind of feels almost matter-of-fact, just like, yeah, they were pretty similar to some of the other cultures there, except they were real into plants.
1: Part of me agrees with that. That's what they were partially trying to go for. But they go more in-depth with the types of, you know, quote, sacrifice that they were supposed to do, you know, uh, fingers in the ground, you know, guts hanging from trees, that kind of thing. They didn't need to if that's not the picture they were trying to paint. I think they could have just been like, yeah, you know, they did, you know, sacrifice just like other cultures over there did at the time. And that was that. I think beasts or this data page here specifically is trying to make a connection between the two of them, uh, especially because it's going to keep talking about uh, punishing deities and other sorts of kind of more negative aspects of it.
2: Yeah, I feel like there's an interesting, uh, yeah, parallel drawn here between the two mutants a year kind of thing that goes on with Krakoa and the regular sacrifices that were being made on this uh, kind of are described in this logbook. Um, but beyond that, yeah, it, it feels like very generic, kind of like the. Worst parts of Incan kind of popular culture, mm-hmm. yeah, Imaginarium. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I, I'm, I'm no expert on Incan culture, uh, but also for most of these, like um, South American and Central American cultures, the um, human sacrifice aspect is greatly overblown, usually in popular media. Yeah. Uh, so this does get me to roll my eyes a little. Um, but yeah, this feels more like a reminder of there being something similar going on in Krakow. And I wonder now if like the kind of imaginarium for these uh, pre-Hispanic uh, South American cultures was a big inspiration or something that we should be taking into account when thinking about how Krakow works and, and what it is as an entity. Um uh, but yeah, other than that, it it just feels like the setup for a pretty hokey B movie about b- evil incans.
0: Yeah, uh, evil plants. Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, mm-hmm.
0: that th- that is pretty much what we're kind of going for here. Uh, yeah, I I, I kind of. I mean, it's
2: evil incan plants. They they have these those cellular patterns in them.
0: Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. But uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. So uh, again, not the best representation uh, for South America and Central America. Again, uh, as we go through this, these Krokoa books.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, but we're we're once again going through the jungle, as it feels like so many parties have recently. They do really like the South American settings in this issues lately.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. it's
0: it is weird how focused of South America these uh, first the first section of this is.
1: Mhm. I mean at the at least these guys aren't going to go to Nova Roma. I think that's a plus.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we're we're it's far away from that. Yes. <laughs> uh but yeah, just doing some light bushwhacking and we give a uh, Kid Omega a little bit of a wardrobe change.
1: Mhm, cuz he did not dress for this occasion, which is fine. Uh, but we do get into a bit of what uh, Tim talked about earlier, where Logan is questioning why Gene isn't here and neither is Sage. And he deduces that this is because Beast needs them to be killers and not negotiators. Yeah. And he's saying all of this while this really cool skeletal fungal jaguar shows up and walks into the temple ahead of them. It's a really cool design. I love how it looks and it kind of really sets the stage for yeah there's some weird shit going on here
0: yeah uh meanwhile beast i guess realizing that plants are now the threat uh wakes up black tom
1: yeah who is still having a bad time and is having a hangover uh he almost impales beast which maybe he should have uh but agrees to you know be taken by beast because he needs needed for a mission off the island yeah. This is all interspersed with Kid Omega running out of the temple by himself, uh, asking for backup. Uh, because apparently Terra Verde is not a hostile country anymore, it is a angry god.
0: Yeah, and our, our last page is Kid Omega being dragged forcefully back into a temple by a bunch of vines. Uh-huh. Really is just a B-movie, huh?
1: Kinda, yeah. I, I, Interestingly enough, I don't remember where this goes. (laughs) It must have uh, left my brain at some point. So I'm actually interested to see what the next issue is because I don't remember how this resolves. Uh, But yeah, no, that is the end of X-Force number 9. A fine issue. You know, the issues this week just seem to be almost side missions in a way. I, I feel like X-Forces maybe is not as much as X-Men was. I think X-Men was the, the bigger uh sinner in that regard. But X-Force is still kind of off the beaten path.
2: Yeah, we've we've had a bunch of like number ones in these past couple of weeks. So going back to like middle of the pack issues is probably the reason why these feel like filler arcs. Well the X-Men had a more reason for that, I guess. Um, but yeah, these are, like, fine, acceptable, very readable issues, I would say.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, nothing crazy, nothing to write home about, but they, they're they fine. They hold up. Definitely not, you know, not something terrible. I don't regret reading these. I think they were fun. Yeah. Okay. So, but it, it did introduce uh, the Green Lagoon and this really funny spin the bottle game between all the Wolverine-related family.
0: Yeah. Well.
2: I wonder if you can get one of those apocalypse sticky cups.
0: Oh, man, I bet you can.
1: I looked at one point uh, because there used to be, well, not used to be, uh, there's a comic book convention here in Los Angeles that used to be called Stan Lee's Kamikaze. And their big thing was doing um, tiki mugs of different comic book characters. Uh, I think Mm. they have since stopped, because they are now called LA Comic Con, and that's not really their thing anymore. But I'm really hoping maybe the company kept doing it, because I would love to get an Apocalypse Tiki mug. I think it looks great.
2: Oh, I'm I'm looking at some right now on Etsy. Yeah, yeah,
0: I was about to, uh, I just linked it.
1: Oh, no.
2: Yeah, these are explicitly the Green Lagoon Tiki mugs.
0: Yeah, I like this Xavier one a lot, too.
1: Oh, I love these. These are so cool,
2: yeah, these are good. yeah, I kind of wanna mm. I know I, I also kind of <laughs> also kind
1: of wanna get one this is this is dangerous. can't believe you've done this so uh, but before I spend too much money, uh was there anything else we wanted to say about these issues here?
2: Um, no, not really. I think at least on my part all all that's been said is is kind of like what I thought about these reading re- going through them.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't really have much more to add either. Uh, Next up, as soon as I can grab the reading order.
1: Uh, That's okay, I can beat you to it. Uh, Next up, no, Uh, you're going to beat me to it.
0: X-Force number 10, Excalibur number 9, and Giant Size X-Men Nightcrawler.
1: Uh, I can't believe you stole Nightcrawler from me. I'm sorry. One of my favorite members of the X-Men.
0: So, So, uh, yeah, wrapping up this X-Force arc before... uh, An Excalibur issue and then Nightcrawler.
1: Yeah, and we haven't read uh, Excalibur for quite some time, actually. it's been a good handful of episodes. So excited to go back to that. Excited to see what uh, Giant-Sized X-Men Nightcrawler has in store. um, Because I've still really loved Jean Grey and Emma Frost. So it'll be cool to see what that one has. And then after that, so after next episode... We're going to be introduced to the Hellions, and I'm very excited to start talking about them.
0: I, I don't know who they are.
2: Yeah, I'm very happy you just pronounced that before I said Hellions.
1: That's okay. I have said both. I've said Hellions. I've said Hellions. I don't know which is correct. It's uh, I'm uh, going to assume both.
2: Oh, it's Helians. I, I take it back then.
0: Helions?
1: Actually. Oh, yes. I've heard <laughs> Helions before. I'm, I'm just going to go with they're all correct. You know, however you say it is the right way.
0: But, uh, yeah, so I guess that will be our episode.
1: Yeah, uh, so if you have joined us here, uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, if you could leave a review on your favorite podcasting app of choice, that would be great. Uh, just so we can get out there, find more people so they can also read this wonderful era of comic books. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, what tiki mug you would like to see made... Uh, go ahead and shoot us an email at studyofx at gmail and we might read it here on the podcast.
0: We will uh, uh, we'll put this link to the, uh, the tiki mugs in the the show notes as well because they are they are cool looking.
1: Yeah, they are very cool. Definitely going to put that there. Uh, and if you are looking to follow this podcast on social media, uh, you can follow us at Study Uh, On X, also known as Twitter and forever known as Twitter, uh, and also on Tumblr, uh, I am going to try and get a Blue Sky account up and running, uh, because I know if I say it here, that means I am going to do it. So by the time this comes out, we will likely have an account there as well at Study of X.
0: that's a good idea. Commitment.
1: Yeah. See? There you go. Now I can't back down. Yeah. Alright, and if you are looking for me uh, on social media, you can find me at Sonics, that is S A W N E E K S, on Blue Sky. You can also find me on Twitter, but I'm not as active on Twitter anymore. Uh, and Sergio, if they are looking for you to ask you what tiki mug you're going to get, where can they find you?
2: Uh, people can find me at Fireblend, F I R E B L E N D, on uh, Blue Sky, pretty much. They can also listen to the other podcast that I do, which is stray Reads. We just released an episode on Good Omens, uh, which I thought went pretty well. So, yeah, go listen to that.
1: Yeah, highly recommend that podcast. It's great as well. And Tim, if they are looking for you to let you know about the Brood and how their name is, and maybe so-so, where can they find you?
0: Uh, Pilfering Space Booty, and it is uh, it's mine. They cannot have it. Uh, I, I wanted... I, I thought about going for a Green Lagoon joke, but it just it felt... It just, it
1: mm, I mean, we are going to see the Green Lagoon again, so you'll have chances in the future to make that joke. Eh. Eh, okay. That's also fair. Alright, well, that is another episode here and gone, so thank you, everyone. And we'll talk to you later, mutants.
2: Bye. Bye.